Praise God. Well, you talk about opposites attracting, that's exactly what we were. I'm not saying we are now, but we were. I was talkative, nervous, energetic, didn't know what it was to sit still, and I'd walk in his parents' home when we were dating, and I wasn't still a minute. I mean, I talk incessantly. And if I wasn't talking, I was moving, and I was doing something. Now, I haven't changed a whole lot, but he was the opposite. He was quiet, and he never... He come in, he sat in one chair till somebody asked him to go with them or come to dinner or something. But then he'd go right back to that chair and he'd sit there and he's real, real quiet. And one day my mom said, I want to know something. Says, which one of you guys proposed? Says, he never opens his mouth. I said, I did. <laughs> he didn't say yes, but I got it. <laughs> There's a long story to that someday. Someday I'll tell the teenagers. Usually they appreciate it more than the adults. Tonight I'd like to talk to you. Um, Brother Hosclaw has touched on it. I've touched on it throughout about two or three weeks. And it's, it's really stuck with us both. When we heard this man say, why don't we let God be God? And so we've given you a little taste of this and a little taste of that. And the Lord just worked with me, and I hope I've put quite a bit of it together. I know I haven't got it all here. But maybe i got enough that it'll start you thinking. And it'll move on me to think even more. Let God be God. And if you will, I'd like for you to turn with me to Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 8th verse. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi tells us, he says, For I am the Lord and I change not. From Genesis to Revelations, he says, I am the Lord and I change not. All throughout that, he says, I am God, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah God. And he has a lot of other titles, but he doesn't change anything. He's God and he changes not. In Isaiah 45 and 22, he says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. We can look all over this world for something that will give us peace and joy and satisfaction inside, and we're not going to find it. Only in God. There's none else. There is none else. He didn't give a little inkling that there might be a break in there that you could find something else. He says there's none else. He's God. He's the supreme deity. And I am God and I change not. It's God's business to save souls. Right? We have no business saying who is going to be saved and who isn't. Now all of us want to see our loved ones saved. Don't get me wrong on that. I've got loved ones I want to see saved. I have aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews and all of them. I want to see them saved. But I have no choice in the matter. It's God that will look into their heart, touch their heart. They will answer to God and then God saves their soul. I have no business with that. So we leave that alone except through prayer and intercession to get a hold of God for them. But our job 
is to feed them. Our job is to witness to people, to encourage them, and to invite people to church. And it's God's job to save them. Remember, we're the prayers. We're the ones that pray. Jesus has already prayed. His prayer for us says, Father, keep them. Now, Jesus has already prayed. Now it's our turn. And we've got to do this. This is our responsibility, our job. Let's don't get over here and start saving souls. Let's let God do it. Let them come to the altar. Let them pray through. And don't let them get down there and say, I am a sinner, Lord, forgive me. Because they don't, a lot of times, don't even know the word sinner. I found this out working in youth church. You talk to a child about its sins, they had no idea what sins were. But you talk to children about the things they do wrong. The times they're disobedient and they get caught, or they don't get caught, they know what you're talking about. So it's the same way with sinners. And I've told this before. When I went to be baptized, they asked me if I wanted to be baptized. Well, he was getting baptized, and I was his new bride. And I said, yes, I want to be baptized. So I went in this room, and they had a gown, and I put the robe on or whatever it was, and I went down in the water in Jesus' name. Not one of them had asked me if I'd repented. Not one had cared enough about my soul to say, have you repented? All they cared about was getting me in that water. People, let's wake up. Come on, we have to inquire about some things. Okay? Then when I came out of the water and I went back in the room, somebody said, do you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost? And I said, no, thank you. One baptism a night's enough. (laughs) Don't assume that people know salvation's plan because we don't. When I was a sinner out there, I went to numerous churches. I think I was baptized in every church I went into. I've been sprinkled, ducked, dunked, and and almost dry cleaned in some of them. But the part of it is I didn't know any better. And there was a hunger inside of me when I went to all these places. And I loved my pastors. I loved every one of them. They were special to me. But they never got down to the nitty-gritty of what it was all about. And I'm sorry to say there was a lot of saints that didn't either. And it grieves your heart. See, the saints weren't doing their job. God was trying to do his by putting the hunger in here and wanting me to come to him. But the saints weren't doing their job to teach me. See, God doesn't really teach us except through each other. That's our job is to teach. It's God's job to save. And I praise God when I came this way. My father-in-law, he is the he was the world's first, hardest, third-degree person I ever saw. I mean, he wanted to be sure I knew where I was headed this time. And, buddy, I mean to tell you, whenever he talked to me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he said, there wasn't no need of me being baptized in Jesus' name again. I'd already took on the family name. But he said, I did need to do a good case of coming and repenting. And I think he named off every sin I ever committed, and he didn't even know me till I was an old woman of 16 years old. Ever thought I ever had, ever deed I ever did, he mentioned that. You need to repent of those things. And I thought, how does he know this? Now I know he knew it through the Holy Ghost. 
And when I began to speak in tongues and pray to the Lord, and I got the Holy Ghost, I tell you, it was the most beautiful thing, and I had to let him know I got it. We drove all the way from North City, Illinois, to Carmi, Illinois, through Carmi, out to Maunee in the country, and I was still talking in tongues. I woke him up, and he was so annoyed at me. He said, I'd have believed you if you just called me on the phone. <laughs> but I wanted him to know this time, boy, I got it. Because I wanted him to know that he had done his job well. He had taught me well. And I was thankful for it. So let God be God and let us do our job and receive the joy and the blessings of doing our job. There is a blessing in a job well done. And why we think, oh, woe is me. I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful way. But after I've got this, I've never had a longing to go to another church. Oh, I like to visit with them because I love the people. But I've never had that longing on the inside that's so hungry. Because now... God has satisfied that hunger. I just want to know more. And he satisfies that. And then when I get my fill, you know, I'm like everybody else. Well, I read my Bible today and I've done my deed and that filled me up. But it's there when I need a dinner. It's there when I need a supper. See, God's job is to keep us that away. But our job is to respond to God. God's job is to convict and condemn and to accept their repentance. And I've saw saints try to accept people's repentance. And when they do, they go right back out into the world again. And they don't get along well with God. And they don't get along well with their self. And they sure don't get along well with the church. Don't ever tell anybody that's at the altar repenting. Honey, that's enough. Honey, you've done just fine. That's it. Say, come on, come on, confess, confess, confess. Tell it to Jesus. Don't tell it to me. Tell it to Jesus. And let God do the moving. And let God bring the thoughts to their mind. Sometimes you have to prime a little bit. Honey, when you're down there on your knees, confess the things you did wrong and you know they're morally wrong. A lie's wrong. And that's all you have to do most of the time is just put them on the right track and they'll just repent and repent and repent. And I tell you, that's the most beautiful thing it was. And then when they get up, let them get up. They'll know when it's time, but don't keep them there too long either. You can, you can overburn them. If you keep a roast in the oven too long, you burn it. You can't keep them at the altar too long. You let them decide. But you pray with them and you pray for them and let God do the acceptance and they'll know. There's just something about the cleanness of the refreshing on the inside that comes out. Boy, when I got, uh, well, when I repented, really repented, I felt like somebody had took a washcloth and went down inside me and they scrubbed every corner and every little thing there, went out to my fingertips clear on down and down into my toes. I didn't feel like on the inside of me there was a dirty spot anywhere. And, buddy, when I got up from the altar, I showed it. It just glowed that I showed it. But I had to have something then to come in and fill me up to keep me clean, which was the Holy Ghost. And there again, God goes from one conviction step to another. He convicted me enough to know that I didn't have enough. I needed to go on. And had the church have said, well, you don't need that Holy Ghost. That's all, you know, that was all back then. 
But the church came and said, this is what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is all about. This is what my father-in-law was telling me. This is what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is all about. You don't put yourself down in water or get put in water anymore. But it's God coming down and just, oh, he just saturates you inside and out with the Holy Ghost. Boy, that sounded good. And I got hungry and I prayed in church. Boy, you couldn't keep me out of the altar. When the altar service was there, I come right up there at the front and I sought the Lord. I didn't get it. Not the first time. Well, now I'll show you. So I'd put the kids down. I had two girls at that time and I'd put them to bed and I'd say, now you'll get yourself to sleep real quick. I got some praying to do. And I'd put them in their bedroom and I'd sneak upstairs in kind of like an attic-like area and had a window there and I'd kneel down and I'd look out toward the Lord through the heavens. I'd never look toward the sun or whatever. I just looked to the heavens and I said, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. Man, I've got blessing after blessing. But you know, he knew I was so ignorant I'd have to get it in church. And I got the Holy Ghost in church. And I had a crowd of witnesses round about me so the powers of hell couldn't tell me I didn't get it. But they did tell me that. Later on they told me. But I didn't believe them because I knew I'd spoken in tongues and I knew I could go say, Brother Albert, did you hear me speak in tongues? And he says, I sure did. I'd say, Sister Mary, did you hear me speak in tongues? She says, I sure did. See, the church was doing its job. The church was doing what it wanted. And God was doing his job. He was blessing me and bubbling me over. And that's fantastic. We've got to do a lot of things too for the Lord. Got to work for him. We've got to be pastors and evangelists and teachers and all of this. And he says we've got to feed God's lambs. In John 21 and 18. Let me see if I can find that right quick. John 21, 15 through 18. And so when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, see, I've talked to you a lot of times about making love to God. He likes it. He had traveled with Peter all this time, and he knew Peter cared for him. But he said, Lovest thou me? Feed my lambs. And then he said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Just put your hands up once. Say, Oh, I love you, Lord, and put your hand down. No, God don't like it that way. And he says, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. See, kind of getting patient a little bit with God. Why do I have to tell you? You guys get so impatient with us wise. We say, tell us you love us. Come on, honey. Do you love me today? Oh, you know I loved you. I ate your bacon and beans. But do you love me? Well, yeah. Yeah. Then you amble, amble out the door. That's not what we're wanting. Do you really love me for me? Then put your arm around me and hold me close and whisper in my ear and say those sweet nothings that really aren't nothing. They're great. And they mean a lot. Come on, fellas. I had one little girl this morning that was telling me she's not here now, so I'll tell it. But I was talking about loving the Lord this morning and letting God love you and, and so on and so forth. And her husband reached over and kissed her on the cheek. Right in church. Whew. The audacity. There's no greater place 
to kiss your wife than in church. Now, you boys, you don't bring your girlfriends to church and do that. Just your wives. Get married to them, you can. Okay. But then he said a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved. See, he was getting annoyed the second time. And now he's grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. If you really love me, God is telling us today, you will do your job and let me do mine. And when we stop to think about it, we make it so hard on ourselves sometimes because we try to do God's job. I said the 18th verse, but that's not what I wanted. I want just the 17th. And if we'd go forth and do what God said, we could reap the benefits and the blessings and there would be a lot less confusion in the church. And then we'd let God do His part and there'd be a lot less weaknesses in the church. Because what it is, is he's wanting us to get together here. You stay on your side and do your job, and you stay on your side and do your job, and we'll get together, and we'll do all of it together. And when we walk down the aisle as husband and wife, they don't walk one behind the other. The husband walks beside the wife. And that's the way God wants it. We are joined together with him. And we're to learn how to work with him, because when we get into heaven... We've got work to do there too. We've got work to do in the millennium. So walk together side by side. And he'll give us strength. See, he doesn't just stay on his side. He's, he kind of really is cunning about it. And he sneaks over there and he says, come on, you need a lift and I know it and I'll help you. Isn't he neat? Isn't God neat? He's terrific. Let's let God do the forgiving forgiving we Christians have a hard time a lot of times with forgiving people but let's let God do that when they come to an altar here in the church or they go to an altar in their car or at home or wherever their altar is and they pray and they say oh Lord forgive me I've sinned I know I've done wrong and then they walk out and they feel real great and here comes somebody boy I'm gonna tell them boy you didn't do it right. But wait a minute. They'd already been to God before you got to them. Who are you That's right. to tell them they didn't do it right? God's already forgiven. them. Now, if you see a brother or sister continue in sin, then you walk up and put your arm around their shoulder or grab hold of their arm and walk hand in hand with them and say, honey, I think I need to help you a little bit. I can help you because I've been down this road a little further than you have. But you do it in love. You do it in caring. And then you say, this isn't proper for a Christian to do. To take the name of the Lord God in vain is not proper for a Christian. And most of the time, they're going to fall right there and begin to pray and say, pray with me. And then they'll say, God, forgive me. But we have no right dragging up old things again and again and again and again and again after God has once forgiven them. 
whom God forgives, you better keep your hands off of them or you will be sitting in the judgment seat of God and they're going to be going free. Okay? So you let God do the forgiving. But we accept them and then we encourage them to be strong in the Lord, to walk hand in hand with God. And we can't do that if we have negative thoughts. I know we had these prostitutes that come in our church in one of the places where we were working for the Lord. And let me tell you something. You know she's a prostitute. Well, you know they're prostitutes. And they come walking down that aisle and their skirts are yay short. Well, needless, I'm not going to say anymore. If you don't know what a prostitute's like, you don't need to know. But anyway, for a, a Holy Ghost-filled woman, a mother in Israel, if you please, to reach out and say, Honey, I'm so glad you're in church tonight. And the saints look around and say, We want that in our church. Let me tell you something. After they prayed through, we not only had to teach them about the Lord, we had to teach them how to dress, but in love and in gentleness and in tenderness that led them to know that they weren't to wear exposed and revealing clothes. Now, I didn't put them on long sleeves like I've got on tonight or high neck like I got on tonight. I didn't put them in that. But I did put them in a skirt that was a little bit longer that when they sat down, they were not exposed. And you did teach them to wear certain undergarments that was necessary. But all this has to be done in love. And church, this is our part. part. Is to be very gentle and very careful with them. It was God's part to get them in the church. It was God's part when they went to the altar to forgive them after he had convicted them of what they've done. But it's our part to accept them and love them and then teach them. But when we teach them, let me tell you something. The secret to it is saying this. Except by the grace of God, that could have been me. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't told very much anywhere. But except by the grace of God, I could have been a prostitute tonight. Because that's what my background, a lot of it, was working with those type of people. I have a lot of compassion with them. Because I know it was God that saved me from that type of life. But if God hadn't have intervened and there was some people that hadn't have been caring for me, I could have been there. And don't get so wrapped up and smug, you could have too. Because this world out here has nothing to offer anybody but sin, debauchery, evil, wickedness, in high places even, in the church as we saw before. But unless we stay close to God, doing what God wants us to do, then we're opening the doors for all sorts of things to come in at us that will cause us to do things that's completely improper in the eyes of God. So let's let God do his work. God can see the heart of a man, as in Proverbs 21, verses 2 and 3. He can see your heart. He knows what's in your heart. And women, that means you too. Genesis said God knew their heart was evil continually. 
But when he gets in there, he doesn't expect that evil to reign supreme anymore. He expects to be the one that is supreme. And we've got to let that happen. But as Brother Holtzclaw said, you can put a quiet over this church tonight if you want to. You can limit God if you want to. I don't want to. I want to see the Lord come forth in glory and grace. I want to see what happened Sunday night. I don't want that to be a rare occurrence. I want that to be every night. But we can't let it be every night, and we can't get used to it. See, if it happens every night, thank God it happened and rejoice as if it never happened before and it'll never happen again. Because if you say, oh, well, if I don't get a blessing tonight, he'll come next Sunday night. And let me tell you, we've been in churches where that's happened. And the glory of God has departed. And they are just now. I talked to the pastor's wife today. They're just now starting to get that back after about eight years. Church, you can be barren for eight years. You can be without a blessing in the house of God, except for an isolated person that really prays through getting one. But I mean a church of a whole can be null and void of blessings of God if you don't yield to God and give God the glory. God built that house out there. We did not build it. We give God the glory for it. God was the one that caused that water system downstairs to be opened up that we have more water in the kitchen now than a drip. I appreciate God for doing it. He used human instrumentality, but God is the one that did it. God's the one that provided the carpet that went on the back stairs. I appreciate God for that. Don't say we did it. We get in trouble when we take the, uh, the glory from God. Give God the praise. When you see somebody and they say, Hey, I heard you had a good time at church. Said, We did. It was all God's doing. Give God His praise. Give God His glory. Don't accept any on yourself because that's when you start going down. God's the only one that can forgive. And let me ask you something. If you don't forgive Him, are you greater than God? You're making yourself greater than God if God's forgiven them of their sin. And you don't forgive them. Hurt? Have you been hurt by someone in the church? Take it to the Lord in prayer and leave it there. The only thing you're supposed to do is not step in that trap to be hurt again. But you're to forgive that individual that hurt you and you hurt them or however it went. It's God's business is to forgive and heal the hurt. All right? Is that fine? That's God's business. We're to get up and go on our merry way and love and praise the Lord and do His business. And I thank God for that tonight. Oh, I tell you, I'm so thankful I don't have to do the Lord's job. Just look how many of us there are here tonight. If I had to do the Lord's job, I'd have to go home with Sister Idy. And I'd have to stay up with her 24 hours a day just to watch her life. And at the same time, I'd have to go home with the rest of you, and there's just not enough of me to do that. Oh, I can make spot checks of you. Then I might catch you in a grouchy mood or a hateful thing, or, 
and maybe up without your coffee or something like that, and it wouldn't be good. And then I'd write down on your record, boy, they sure are a grouch. It's better to dwell on the housetop than a house with a nagging woman or something like that. Men nag too. Come on. But our job is to protect these people. When God sends them in to us, we're to protect them and shield them just like we did Gwendolyn Joyce these two days we were down there with her. She's a little baby. She cannot dress herself. She cannot protect herself from her two bigger sisters. One's three and the other one's five. She can't protect herself from them. So we have to. And they love her. Now listen, they'll hurt her and love her. One of them had a bag of books in their arm and reached over to kiss Sissy. And if I hadn't have been there to put my hand over the corner of those books, they'd have hit Sissy right in the head with the corner of the books. But she was loving Sissy. She thought she was doing the right thing. Saints, straighten up. Check yourself and protect people that's in the church. If somebody comes and tells you there was a dirty, grubby person in your church, you look and say, there's no people like that in my church because we love one another. I don't see that. I see a face for the Lord. And if somebody tries to rail them and tear your brother and your sister down, or even your pastor, you say, hey, look, I don't see any of that, and I just soon you not say it. That's my pastor. These are my brothers and sisters. And they're great. They're not perfect. They're just great. And let me tell you something. You start shielding and protecting each other. And you'll find out there's no way Satan's going to cause a division in this church. But it's up to us. God gives us the love. God gives us the equipment. And then it's up to us to use it. And we've got to do that, too. Bear you one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what it says in Galatians 6 and uh, and 2. Bear you one another's burdens. Oh, I tell you, I can't stand it when that woman calls me on the phone. All she does is complain, complain, complain. Well, did you ever stop right then and pray for that, sister? Pray for that, brother? They wouldn't call you unless they're asking for help. And when you pray and they pray, then it's God's business to take care of the situation. See? Let God be God. Let us be us. Let us be His hands. Let us be His feet, His mouth. Let us be His arms that reach around and caress one another. Oh, I can't get away from that. God is love. And children, you have to love. You have to love. Not my sins, not my faults, but you have to love me and my soul and try to help me stay down that straight and narrow. You won't become my enemy because of it. Because I'll realize you love me and you're wanting to help me. And if I try to help you, you realize I'm doing it for love, not for bitterness, not for a name for my sake or anything else. But it's for love that God placed in there in my heart for all of you. Okay? Let God do the blessing. I learned this lesson the hard way. We had a young couple in our church one time, and my, I tell you, they were having a hard financial time. It was awful. 
everything they did went wrong. And they came to me and they said, Sister Hostclaw said, we don't know what we're going to do. Said, we're just about out of groceries and the children's sick and oh, they just had us. And I said, now, 